Welcome to the Kavod Family Podcast. Kavod Family exists for the restoration of families and the transformation of communities. Welcome to the Kavod Family Podcast. This is your host, Travis, and we've got Casey with us. Good morning, good morning. And we've got... Danny Antoine. <laughs> Still avoiding that intro. Still avoiding it. I know, man, I know. <laughs> So we've got a special edition today. This is for the 4th of July Independence Day. And Casey, is is this coming out on it? Are we currently on? Well, we're recording it. Gosh, it's we're a week out. But um, yeah, we should be releasing this. I'll bet I'll release it Monday, the day prior. So Well, happy early oh. Independence Day, guys. <laughs> happy hey, Independence Day. And, and we just want to preface this. Look, uh, we are grateful to be Americans. We're going to talk through our stance on a lot of this, and we're going to touch on some history in America. Uh, but it's not like we are college professors in American history uh, professors, and so give I'm us grace. Butcher, butcher yeah. some names. I'm definitely going to. <laughs> but right out of the gate, I want to I want to hit the overarching theme of this. We are Americans, and we're free, and we're very proud of it. But I want to show the bigger picture is that we're free in Christ. Jesus died for us and gave us the ultimate freedom, yeah. and we are to represent Him well. And then we want to dive in, especially on Independence Day, on this topic, because our founding fathers, who helped create this amazing nation where we are now, most of them, correct me if I'm wrong, Casey, you've got numbers, we're Christians, we're believers in Jesus. Well, I mean, the history is mixed. There's, there's, there's um, you know, our, our early founding is a mix of people that believed in God, who were either... Um, in the parish working in churches or they were children of deacons and elders and, and, and part of different churches at the time. And then there is a very, excuse me, a very mixed bag that is just secular or part of the enlightenment period. So they're starting to believe in reason and science and they're going down that road, right? You have the Benjamin Franklins and the Thomas Jeffersons that clearly, uh, they, they, at least at some point they write in a way to where Jesus is not their, um, their king. They might believe in a God. They might believe in a, but even them, they were bad deists. Like most deists believe that God is separated and doesn't intervene in the lives of men. These men, uh, we'll get into this. They appeal to heaven. They believe that God could come and intervene. Okay. But some of them had difficulties like many that uh, couldn't buy into the whole salvation of Jesus and the, and the, and, and him being the atonement for mankind. And so just know that going in that they were much like today, a mixed bag. Right. But, but yes, if you looked at the constitution, 50 of the 55 men that signed that thing were tied to a church and had some Orthodox Christian history. So 50 of the 55. Wow. I, I mean, you're talking Presbyterians, Anglicans, Methodists, you're talking Baptists, like that's their history and their roots. Wow. And so we don't know these men personally today, so I don't know, you know, how deep their personal walk with the Lord was. Right. But yeah, we were a people that grew up in the church. And when the, the founding fathers talked about God, they were talking about the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Yeah. And what's, what's powerful in that is it is absolutely true that the founding fathers of this country built everything on godly principles, the very presence of God pulled straight from the Bible. It was a number of years ago that I actually came to realize that the first flag that we had as Americans that flew on six ships was the uh, appeal to heaven flag. It's less frequently called the appeal to God flag, yeah. but as an overarching, uh, overall, it's an appeal to heaven flag. Yeah, that pine tree flag. That pine tree flag. So 
the very first Navy, which was funded by George Washington, was six ships that he put out there to go to war. All right, let's do this because I want to go down that road with you. Yeah. Let's let our listeners catch up. Let's go back a little farther and okay. kind of just do a quick review of how in the world did we get to the American Revolution? Does that work? Yeah, go ahead. Because that, that can kind of set a stage. Yeah, definitely. Okay. And, and some of this, look, I just, I love history. I enjoy it. If, if I wasn't doing what I was doing, I'd probably go and teach history at a high school. But with that said, I'm like, I don't sit around reading American history books. Yeah, but you're a history buff for sure. I know that about you. <laughs> I know. Well, and I've had the privilege. I've taken a number of high school groups and, and college students up through Philadelphia and into Washington, and then farther up to Boston and Plymouth. And so the history in Plymouth and also in Boston, the Puritans and the pilgrims that landed there and what they did, I love it. And if anyone can, my goodness, if you want to just take a family vacation, hit the road, run up to D.C., go to Philly, go up to Boston, check out the Jenny Museum up there in uh, Plymouth and hear about, you know, the Mayflower and the people that landed there and who they were and what they were like. Hear about the Puritans and what was going on in Boston and what led up to the American Revolution. That is a history that all of us should familiarize our children with because, those are our founding fathers. You know what I mean? That's the, that's the blood that cries out from this land. So you need to know what those men were fighting for and why they were fighting for it. We can never forget that. And so um, just real quick, if you go back uh, North America, the New World, North and South America, that is beginning to be colonized or explored or discovered right around, I mean, Christopher Columbus, the four, late 1400s, right? Yeah. So the whole 1500s is this period where people are traveling around and and basically Spain and Portugal, you know, Portugal goes east, Spain goes west, and they discover new lands, okay? And that's why, like, Brazil, uh, Portugal end up, ends up going down to Brazil. That's why they speak Portuguese down there, right? It was during that period of time. Um, but during that whole time, they're 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 going up and down the coast and they're finding things. It's really in the 1600s to where England and Europe starts to land and discover that northeast rim, right? All the way from basically all the way down from Georgia all the way up through Boston and Plymouth and that whole portion. And you have – like you guys are familiar with the stories of uh, the Chesapeake Bay and Jamestown. That's like the first real – adventure where people try to colonize Jamestown and, and, and make it work in the Americas. Okay. And that goes, that story there alone, it's, it's a mixed bag. And, and so just to get back to your story, you have a hundred plus people that go to Jamestown, basically all men. This is not a family venture. This is all men that go out. Some of them are artisans and, and labor people. Some of them are what they call gentlemen, which is just those guys that had deep pockets and they wanted to pay their way into a new land. They didn't want to show up in labor. They just wanted to be wealthy and rich and discover new places, right? And so you have this mixed bag, but those guys were predominantly not Christian. Okay, those guys, there's some terrible stories that come out of that. And in order for them to survive in Jamestown, those men, especially, I think the guys, the captain there, his name was Smith. But if he couldn't barter and trade with the natives, that's when he went to war and he took. And so there's some, some real bloodshed that takes place, some horror stories that come out of that, right? And so that's 1600. When you get to 1621, when the pilgrims come over, this is a different group of people. They're not being sent by the king to go and explore a land. These are a group of people that are fleeing and running for their life so they could have religious freedom. That's who the, the pilgrims were. And so they come as men and women and children. 
And when they show up, they settle and they, they're trying to survive and they want to be free and independent from the crown. This kind of sounds like Israel with uh, Egypt, doesn't it? Kind of the same thing here. <laughs> yeah, I same mean, vein. that's what it was. Because you and I don't know. If you've lived in America, we don't understand what it's like to live and hopefully we never do, to live under a government where it's illegal to be a Christian, where the Bible is, man, I, I, I had the chance to go to China years ago, and we were in uh, the northern west part of China uh, in, a, in, a, in a very Uyghur population of China. It was a Muslim population of China. And I sit down at a table with this young college student, and I pull out a Bible to give it to him, and he immediately covers it with his book bag. And he starts to explain to me how it's illegal for him to have this book. And if he takes it back to his dorm room, he'll be expelled from his school. Like, like we don't we live don't, under we don't that. Have a clue. Yeah. If imagine getting kicked out of college or kicked out of your family because you have a Bible. And so, you know, the kind of persecution that they're under is the kind of persecution that causes a person to want to leave, jump on a ship, and sail because you're trying to pass on to your children freedom. They were, they were a generation of people that was going to lay down their life so that way their children and their grandchildren could have independence and freedom. And they knew it was going to cost a generation to get there. And so those are the people that show up in 1621, and, and that you know continues on, and the settling continues on. And so by the time that the American Revolution takes place, you know you have a very mixed group of people, of Puritans, pilgrims. You also have... You, you know, just the Dutch, the Spanish, just different people that have settled there, some that are Christians, some that are not. Uh, but the founding fathers, those that Samuel Adams and the guys that, that kind of champion, the Sons of Liberty that ch- kind of champion this American Revolution, they did it because they believed that they were sovereign and independent because of what God has has given to mankind. And so their motive was very much a Christian motive in that way. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. And so uh, going up to, you know, the American Revolution, why did we have it? it? It is a war that begins because Britain and the crown, they were basically broke after the French-Indian Wars, and they needed to find a way to build up their, their bank accounts again, right? So they begin to tax the colonies. And so as they begin to tax the American colonies, that's when the Americans were like, look, we're not having this. We are – we are no longer under the crown. We are no longer uh, under you. We're a separate people. And, and they rise up, and that's what leads to the American Revolution. And that's where we get the pine tree flag, right? It's one of the first flags that fly. Yeah. These, these <clears throat> ships sent out, the Navy ships that got sent out by George Washington. And it was. It was an appeal to heaven because they had no other appeal to make. Yeah. I realized like, an, it wasn't that long ago in terms of years. I started realizing – that it, I won't call it a movement, but just the thought process of people starting to say this country was not founded on God. Yeah. I tell you what, I mean, the first time I heard that, I remember what that made me feel like on the inside to say that, like this, it was not. And these are people who actually really believe that, right? And not understand like the full history of it. The flag, that first flag says an appeal to heaven. The reason why they had to appeal to heaven is because honestly, they needed a miracle. To be able to really yeah, I mean, this what, nation. six ships going against six the greatest ships. naval fleet of that time? <laughs> right. I mean, and, come on. But that was our first Navy. But what's cool won. is just the parallels of all this, because you think of Gideon, mm-hmm. like in the Bible, God wanted 
I, I forget the numbers, but he wanted an astronomically low number to conquer this enemy. Yeah. And it was for God's glory. Yeah. So in this, Benjamin Franklin before, and I've got it pulled up so I can cheat, the year was 1754 when Benjamin Franklin drew that chopped up snake. And it was the join us or die, that kind of mantra there. And then we end up here with the uh, pine tree a, flag. Which is in 1775. Um, I believe it was in December of 1775. Yeah. The appeal that, to heaven. Yeah. So this idea that we are broken and divided as 13 colonies with Benjamin Franklin, that, that flag he created. And we needed to become one so we could actually do something. And they we, appeal to did. heaven so that way they can make this move. And then the, they, I, I'm going to butcher this name. The name from this flag is from Christopher Gadsden. So it's a coiled up snake and it's yellow. I'll describe it. Yeah. And it says, don't tread on me. Everybody knows that. So it's this idea. It runs with that same snake analogy that Benjamin Franklin had. When we're divided, we're useless. But when we're one, look what we can do. Yeah. And then you look from that, from this point on, we end up winning. Obviously, we become free. We become one of the powerhouse nations that there was. But what's cool is like, it was because we chose God. If you look at the story in the Bible and the principles of that, whenever God's people chose to be faithful to him and pursue him and he was the prize, like they had blessings. They had, I mean, you look at David when he was trying to conquer Jericho, right? Yeah. March around it and sing and worship for a whole seven days. And on the seventh day, do it seven times. So it makes no sense. But in a way, having six ships from George Washington to go against the largest naval fleet, that makes no sense. Right. But what did they do? They appealed to God. The walls of Jericho's fell. We conquered it and we're free. So the bigger picture, guys, is like, don't... America's great, but it's great because of Jesus. It's great because we put our faith and trust in him. We appealed to heaven. It is an important thing that it wasn't just an appeal. There was an answer to that appeal. They went to the Father. They went to God about this, and God answered you know, and we see that in history with Israel on so many different occasions when they would go to the Father, right? Nothing was going to work. It was impossible, always an impossible situation. And then for God to, like, to really respond, God responded to America at that point, established something that was so powerful that no one could have envisioned at that point where we would end up today. But then you fast forward to today where it's almost like they're trying to take it backwards, Right. Remember when uh, Israel first got out of bondage? What'd they say? <laughs> let's right? go back to the land. Let's go back to Egypt. At you know that we place where we were slaves? You know, at least we <laughs> had food, right? Like, so you want to go back to a place of imprisonment? Why would we want to do that right now? We have enough of a history in this country to actually look back on and say, wow, there's so many of those moments, so many wow moments to say, this is God's work. This is God's handiwork. Yeah. It's powerful, and yet we cannot divorce the fact that in those early days, it was clergy that were running for office. Yeah, the king of— These were men of God. The king of England, when he, when he mentioned the—he has written this. He says, this is, this is the Black Robe Rebellion mm. in reference to the American Revolution. And so that just says that you know there was a degree of clergy. There was a degree of pastors and elders and deacons. To what point? I don't know. Right. And you know what I mean? But at least to enough that, that a king recognized these men are motivated and driven by a conviction that comes from God. Like in their faith, it is what's driving them to do what they're doing. You know, because let's just say this, and, and I don't know where you two gentlemen stand, but Israel was a unique chosen nation by God. Mm-hmm. It was uh, chosen in order to play a unique role in history that no other nation will ever play. Right now, I'm not going to stand here and say that America was a chosen nation, but 
was America a Christian nation? Yeah, and this is why. Because Christians lived and led and ruled and they influenced the community. And that's what caused it to be a Christian nation. Just like, you know, if you were to come to my home, if you look around my home and you go, wow, he does things that are in line with scripture. It's to honor God. Or, I mean, it's in respect to God. Businesses. Like we or run businesses, our businesses right? submitted to Jesus and we love people. When you come here, everyone says this place is different. Yeah. And and so what's different about it? The fact that Christians that believe in God are making decisions on how to lead and how to do finances and how to hire people. Like you cannot separate a Christian from anything he does in his career. And, and that's the point that you get. Like Christianity is not a, it's not a t-shirt that you put on right. and put off like a uniform when you go to work. It, it infects every decision you make. And so during this time, you know, those that became leaders or um, like George Washington, who becomes a military leader, he cannot separate his belief in God or what he knows about God from his decisions. It's what governs his decisions. Just like you're a commissioner now, Danny, you cannot separate your faith and your beliefs from your role as a commissioner. It's actually what guides you as a commissioner. It's what helps you make the decisions that you make. But what's intense for me in that position, I'm in, in running for office, I can't tell you the number of times I was told you cannot bring God into government. How sad is that? You cannot separate God. I can, there's no way. God is not compartmentalized in my life. He is yeah. my life. Right. He's not just a part of my life. Nor, he nor should he life. be. And if, no. and if he is, then you've been discipled by the wrong person. You know, so and, hear this. If, if you have allowed God to be separate in different areas of your life, well, I'll bring him in here, I'll bring him in here. You have listened to the lie of the world, and you have listened to Satan, where they want to keep God out of everything. And you're being discipled by somebody else, whether you realize it or not. You know, to look at the other men on sitting on a board and have to tell them from the very beginning, my decision making is first based off what I hear from my father in heaven. It's not just strictly based on just, you know, facts or, you know, numbers. It's based largely on what God puts on my heart. Now, I ran an entire business. I run an entire business on that and nothing less. And I watch what God has been able to do with that. I watch, you know, with, with my son's business, with your gym, right? Same principle. And look at how the Father has blessed that and how many have come through these doors that were not Christian, still participated and got to enjoy the blessings that came from a father that they don't even know exists yet. Yeah. It's a powerful thing that we get to do. We live in a country and, you know, we talk about an independence day. You know, we have the freedom to do so much that. We're never going, you can't experience in another country. Right. Right. I grew up overseas in Haiti and you think about it, you know, the laws of the land did not apply. It only applied to certain people. So, you know, you, you live in a, in, in a small nation like that where is, as long as you have family members, say, you know, in the government, you become untouchable in some ways. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? And it's not the same. So when I, I remember when I moved back to the U.S., it was kind of like a readjustment to realize like life is very different. It's yeah. not the same. Yeah. You know, when I saw what I saw in Haiti, it was just like, wow. Yeah. You know, you know, coming to it, living there in a time where they, it was a time of civil war, you know, under dictatorship, you know, you get to see some pretty gruesome things. And then you come back to the United States and you realize it's two different worlds. Yeah. It's completely different. How could we now live in a place, in a nation that we enjoy so many freedoms and yet 
listen to those who want to put us back into bondage again. Right. That's the, if you study world history, the beauty of a nation that has Christian principles is that in that covering, in that umbrella, there is great freedom for other religions and other beliefs. Right. In America, there's great freedom. If you, if you believe in a different worldview, if you believe in a different religion, you are not persecuted in America by Christians. Exactly. Even if they make the laws and rule over the land and do those things, the, the laws that Christians set are a blessing to the people that, that live underneath them. Go live in if go live in Saudi Arabia, go live in Iran, go live yeah. in the Middle East, go to China under a communist nation, go to go to any one of those places, many of which I've been, okay, and and see if people that don't agree with your beliefs are free or if they live under bondage. You know, you bring up China, I'm reminded of a story of a ten year old little girl that's living in China at a time where the churches have to be underground. Now she's captured and these guys are beating this child in order for her to reveal the location of the underground churches. And she would not break. And it got to the point where they had to stop and ask her, how are you able to sustain that? How are you able to go through this this way? Her answer, this 10 year old girl, her answer to these grown men is this, man, I have learned to see God. I have, I, I, I've purified my heart of the fear of man. She started with that. I purified my heart of the fear of man, and I've learned to see God. Ten years old. You know, when you're in a country where things are taken from you, you, you there's a different resilience about you. It's different when everything is just there, readily available. Right. But when you don't have and you got to you got to sneak around, you got to do this because your life is in danger. Your mindset is different. There's so many countries that, you know, when we say that America is the greatest country in the world, I'll tell you what, you know, you look at the past couple of years, especially through COVID and you got you got all the Black Lives Matter movement and all this stuff. They're burning down these cities. Right. And they're saying that America is such an awful country. Really? How many nations, how many different people in different nations will give every and anything just to be here. Yeah. I look at Haitian people, my own people in Haiti. They made they built rafts. Yeah. Not even boats, rafts to get across the ocean. And I'm, how many of these people at the bottom of the ocean, man, taking that chance because they wanted to be here in America? Cuz they wanted freedom. Let, just real quick, let, let's can we read a little bit of the Declaration yeah. of Independence? Absolutely. And talk through it. Is that okay? Yes. Because um I mean, gosh, once a year we should read through documents like this just to be reminded. It's just, it's just good, right? This is our history. These are the men and, w- and women that laid down their life for, for us today. And so uh, just I'm going to read the beginning, and I just want to point out a few things that make us believe that the Founding Fathers were uh, God-fearing men. They were men that believed in God. Uh, to what degree did they believe in Jesus uh, I don't know. I know that 50 of the 55 were, history says that they belong to Orthodox, Trinitarian, Christian churches. You know, so to, to some great degree, they were Christians. Yes. They believed in Jesus. But it opens up and it just says, unanimous declaration of the 13 United States of America. When in the course of human events, it becomes necessary for one people to dissolve the political bands which have connected them with another. So uh, they write this, Thomas Jefferson, you know, him and two other guys, I believe, uh, penned the majority of this, and then it had to get proved by groups. 
and then sent out to the states and different, different areas, but to dissolve the political bands which have connected them with another and to assume among the powers of the earth the separate and equal status to which the laws of nature and of nature's God entitle them. A decent respect to the opinions of mankind required that they should declare the causes which impel them to the separation. So in the Declaration of Independence, you're going to find these phrases, the laws of nature, the nature's God, uh, endowed by the Creator. Okay, there's a few more down farther towards the end of the Declaration of Independence, uh, appealing to the supreme judge of the world with reliance on the protection of the divine providence. Say that again, appealing to what? Appealing to the supreme judge of the world. Supreme judge. So to us modern day, because I know I've talked with people and even myself, I read through this and I'm like, okay, well, if these guys were... If these guys were God-fearing, Bible-believing Christians, why doesn't it say Jesus in here, right? And if you were to read through this, the language that it's written with, the laws of nature and nature's God, the creator, uh, the supreme authority, the divine providence, that's the same kind of language that they use, similar language that they used in the Westminster Confession that all these men grew up reading, the Presbyterians grew up reading. It's the kind of language that they used to describe the God of I mean, Abraham, I Isaac, I hear that in Psalms with David. I <laughs> that's mean, come what on. you read, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so they're appealing to this God that rules, a supreme God that rules over all the civil authorities of the land. Right, And it's from him, and this is the awesome part, it's from him, the creator, he gives us unalienable rights. And among those, there's three that this thing is, you know, writes about, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. That's what they believed was a right from God for people. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And if, and if there is a civil authority, a civil magistrate that is taking that from you, Okay, your only option is to appeal to heaven. You know, if the police officers in, the, in your land will not provide life, liberty, and a pursuit of happiness, if they're going to enslave you and take from you and rob from you and do those things, your only option is to appeal to a higher law. And, and so when they say, uh, you know, the laws of nature and of nature's God, they're referencing the divine laws that are laid out in the Bible. But in that too, they they appealed to heaven, and then they moved. If you look at the the flags that they flew, they appealed to heaven, and then the next ones don't tread on me. Yeah. I mean, if you were to look at Israel, and I don't know if you guys want to go here. If we don't, we can you can stop me. But if you look at Israel, it like the kings who were submitted to God, they thrived, and then the ones that weren't, there was a time. There was a season of grace for the the fathers and the kings before them that followed God. But then when the kings stopped and they started following other gods, what happened? They were conquered. They were overtaken. There was, there was penalty. Now, now, ultimately, to zoom out, God did that to preserve us, to bring, to bring Israel back to him, because he wanted the heart. We talked about contending for the heart episodes ago. Like, the ultimate prize is not freedom in this land. The ultimate prize is freedom from our sins, from the penalty of sins. And Jesus paid that price. Yeah. And then our founding fathers knew that and, and set up principles and a way of life to honor that here. And then we were blessed by it. And if we start to turn our back on it, I mean, you can read all throughout, my goodness, Jeremiah, the whole dang book is where all the kings of, of Israel are turning their back on God. 
And God will use something to bring you back to him. We're in that spot right now. This is the greatest country in the world. When I say that, I'll tell you what. I mean, what goes inside of me is awesome. Like Just to be able to say that, we live in the greatest country in the world. It's amazing. The freedoms that we have, we got to learn how to really step up and fight for those freedoms. We can't just sit back idly, especially as God's people. You know, we talked about a little while ago— you know, early clergyman who really went into office for this. But you think about today. Look at the church today. What do you often hear when you talk when you bring up politics? Don't talk about it. <laughs> so we went from going into office to now not even talking about it, let alone run for off run for office. And again, when you do that, then you're told, Don't bring God into this. Yeah. Right? You gotta separate God from everything. I just like to encourage you men, especially out there. Never separate God from any area of your life. God is everything. He's in every area. It's it, He's in your job. He's in your family, in your career, you know, in your hobbies. Like, he's a part of everything. He's a good dad. I mean, think about it. If you believe in God, why would you not bring him into everything? The only reason you wouldn't is because the enemy understands that he needs to cause that to end. Well, here's the, the, the reality is everyone believes in a God. Okay, and we are either going to live under the the blessing and the grace and the and the leadership and the counsel of the God of the Scriptures, or we're going to get live under the God of secularism or paganism or demo- Like it's it's always going to be something. Mm-hmm. You're always going to live under some worldview belief system that governs the land. Because when you talk about morality or right and wrong or justice, it all comes from somewhere. It has to begin with something, right? And we're advocating and we're saying that when it comes to what you believe or or when it comes to morality and what is good and what is right and what is a blessing to people, it is found in the God of the scriptures. He's the one that provides the best application for life. Absolutely. You know, so to live underneath, uh, like you're saying, the reason why America is the greatest nation that we have known of today, and I hope that it carries that mantle and continues to go further down that line, it will only be great as long as the values of the scriptures rule and reign in the hearts of men and those that actually take leadership. And so if they appealed to heaven back then, we have no business not appealing to heaven right now. Yeah. And and this is a part that, you know, it's such a bigger and more difficult conversation. Uh, you, you know, to what degree as Christians do you take up uh, efforts in order to to turn over the government if it's gone sour, right? What if you, you look at the leaders that are in power now and you say, man, these these people are out of line with God's will, uh, what can be done to change that? So what did Jesus say right before he left? Go and make disciples. Yeah. That's your job. If yeah. everybody goes and makes disciples, I don't care if you're the president or if you're your next-door neighbor. Go the world will be changed. Right. So we're not advocating that you would take up arms and make violence against Joe Biden or to any other leader that you disagree with. But I think we put this on YouTube. (laughs) (laughs) But I think we are saying as Christians that you should be make every effort, especially Danny, you're in the form of a lesser magistrate. You're in the form of a lesser authority, right? You rule uh, in this County. You exercise authority to some degree in this County, along with the sheriffs and governor and, and others. And it's, I think it's your right to, in your place, to rule as best as you can in respect to God. And to do anything less would be unacceptable for me. I mean, when you got sworn in, where did you put your hand? On the Bible. 
Yeah. And so for you to swear in on a Bible, it only makes sense to me that you would also be saying this is the standard by which I'm going to rule. Well, in that, I'm actually establishing a promise to God. Yes. For the next four years. To honor him. To do this, I will honor you in doing this by listening to you and doing exactly what you tell me to do. Yeah. But guess what? When we listen to God, there's always a blessing that comes with that. Always. There's always a blessing. And people got to stop being so afraid to move in that. Yes, it may seem like it's hostile. Yes, it might seem like if I do this, it's not going to make any sense. God did not ask you to think. He asked you to obey. Think about that. But what's cool is in Ephesians 6, 612, it says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. So, Casey, you said... We're not telling you to bear up arms and go fight your leaders, but the don't tread on me, that is specifically speaking to Satan and to everybody who follows him. Mm-hmm. I will stand with God, I will stand on his principles, right. and I will love everybody that comes into contact with me, and I will tell you about Jesus. Right. And you will be radically—you cannot not be radically changed from that. That is where we draw the line and we take our stand, just like just David like did. Fathers. But these men did it in a different capacity. Your job— with everybody you see is to love them and bring them to Jesus, to represent Jesus, and that will change everything. Yeah, we talk about that often. Like if there's a great revival or or reformation that takes place, man, I would hope that men and women would find the courage and the strength, no matter where they're working, no matter what their employer says, no matter where they're at, to where they would feel like their obligation is to God first and to mankind second. Mm-hmm. And that they would, not in a, a destructive, brash, rude way, but in a, in a courageous... So I've got a story of that. Do, do you know what I mean? To be able to speak about Jesus openly. I was, uh, I was in the Coast Guard, and when I was at my last unit, and it was a little boat station on the side of Lake Michigan. And we were, we were told, like, basically, like, kind of general rules. Like, be polite to people. You can believe and talk about your, your beliefs, whatever it is. Just don't be rude about it, basically. So me and this other Christian were in the like radio communication room, and we were just talking about Jesus. And my boss comes in, and he's like, y'all got to stop. And I'm like, no, no, we don't. Like, our chief, who's above you, said we're good. And he storms out. And then later on, I'm up in my room, and he comes up. He goes, you can't just be talking about that in a common space, like where everybody else is. And I'm like, yeah, I can. Like, <laughs> A, the boss said so, but then B, like, like God said so. And he's like, well, you just talk about it. Like it's fact and like it's real. And I'm like, wow. because it is. It's very wow. and, and he's like, well, you know, why, why do you do it like that? I said, because if I believe this will save my life and save yours, why would I not talk about it like that? Right. Why would I be silent and let you have no idea, like sheep to the slaughter, not do anything about it? And you could tell his eyes were huge, his mouth was well dropped, said. and he was like, uh. And I was like, I'm not, you but, walked but into you the room. But you spoke with a conviction that he, in his doubt, I bet you he began to believe through your conviction. See, but but you're showing you're showing that person exactly what these forefathers were were showing. I can make an appeal to a higher court than mm-hmm. the one standing in front of me, a court that's higher than my employer. The man that signs my check is not my true boss. And we get to do that because Jesus died to make us free. Yes, man. I want you to think yes. about something in the same realm of saying, you know, don't bring God into government. You go and sit in a courtroom. And right above us in the courtroom, it says what? Yeah, it's the seal. That beautiful, beautiful seal. The seal. But in big, bold words, in that court, in God we trust. 
but I want everyone to wrap your mind around this. We're sitting under the banner of in God we trust, but yet we can't pray. Or we can't apply his principles. It's the most insane thing. Yeah. But if Above you think, every door in the courthouse, what does it say? I mean, it's on our money. In but God, if, yes. If you think about it, it's the best scheme for Satan to put into the world to remove the blessing, oh, to man. remove the life source. Like if, if you were an enemy of God, what would you do? You would pull that life source out of everywhere that you possibly can yeah. and then watch it unfold from the inside out. Yeah. And you know what we do? We think it's a great idea and we run with it. <laughs> so real quick, I want to go, if, if we can, I, I want to make one point as we look at Romans 13 and then um, also First uh, Timothy, because both of these make reference to kings or governors in the land. And I just think it's good uh, to look at this real quick. Because we want to, as Christians, we want to rep- represent the scriptures, and we want to represent the king. And our true kingdom, the kingdom that we belong to, it is God's kingdom first, right? Our allegiance is to him first, and That's as right. Christians, we're going to be the best Americans that we can. Christians first, but we're going to take our Christian identity, and we're going to exercise that as Americans, right? Like, for you not to live in America and try to make it better, for you not to fight for good laws, for you not to create good businesses, for you not to give people opportunity to work in a job that has Christian principles, is to not be a good Christian in your land, Mm -hmm. right? Like, you couldn't rule your karate studio in a way that was anti-God and say that you were following him. There's no way. But then... in. Let's say this. I mean, it, it, it is done that way sometimes with people, but it also, it, it's a misrepresentation of Jesus Christ. Of him. Yeah. It's a misrepresentation of God and his love. So Romans 13, 1, let's just point at this real quick. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God. And those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authority resists what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. For rulers are not a tear to good conduct, but to bad. Okay, I'm just going to start stop there. Um, if you were to look at this, rulers are not a tear to good conduct, but to bad. Then go over to First uh, Timothy chapter 2. Okay. First of all, then, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people for kings and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. And so the kings and the rulers that are presented in these two portions of scriptures, they are not rulers and authorities that are functioning outside of God's will. It's not like God is saying, bad leadership is great for you, just submit to it. That's not what it's saying. It's saying, saying. pray for kings that will bring you kings and high positions that will allow you to live a peaceful and quiet life, a godly life, a dignified life, right? Leadership is not a tear to you, but for good conduct, not bad. And so the authority that God has asked us to submit to, or the authority that truly comes from him, is good authority. Does does that make sense? Absolutely. A father that's in rebellion to God is not a good father. He has thrown away his mantle, and that father needs to be rebuked, corrected, right? He needs to be removed from his place over his children in some regard and then restored back to it. But you, it, it's not one of those things where just because you're authority, you know, you're, you're, you're doing it right. There's a, there's a way to lead right, and there's a way to lead wrong. Yeah. 
And these scriptures are talking about governors and leaders and kings of the land, how they should be a blessing. How should, they, they should govern in a way that brings good conduct. It doesn't support bad conduct. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And, and so, man, this is why I get so excited, Danny, and for others, for Christians, that you know, if you get involved in your local, local town councils or leadership, it is so awesome and important because you are helping to bring that good conduct to the people that you live with. The only way that Franklin and Macon County is going to live in this peaceful, beautiful, good conduct that the, the Bible speaks about is if belie- if people get in those positions of authority that actually believe these truths, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. You got to believe that for all people. Uh, be, you know what I mean? To actually see that implemented. And I, I want to say to everyone in Macon County, as a leader here, I pray for Macon County. I pray for oh. God's blessings to be ruling over Macon County. I pray for everyone to be able to partake, whether you believe in him or not, that his love would be like the the like a veil over Macon County. Yes. You know, as leaders, it's important for us to really appeal to God on behalf of what he gives us rule over, on behalf of what he gives us charge over. We can't be responsible leaders and not appeal to God. We can't be responsible leaders and not go to him for the direction that's necessary for the position that he's given. Yes. Oftentimes, even in government, we always have a tendency of trusting the word of man over the word of God. But yet the word of God is what brings life. The power, it's actually in the word of God, not in the word of man. So when we open our mouths and speak the word of God over an area, we have no idea what we're speaking, like the, what's going to come through that. We have to have faith. We got to trust in him and we got to do that. Yeah, man. <laughs> well, uh, listen, it is July. Well, if you're hearing this, it might be July 2nd, 3rd, whatever. It's, it's right before July 4th, 7th, you know, uh, celebrating Independence Day. And if, if anything, if you take anything away from this podcast, we want to encourage you that there really is life, liberty, and happiness that can be found in Christ, a true life, liberty, and happiness. And when you find those things in him, you don't need to live under good government to have them. You have them because Christ and God has given them to you. And when he gives them to you, then you can rule and exercise and act in a way to where you can help bring those principles about in your community, right? And so the same thing happens for a home. If you're a father, man, I, I, if there's anything, I pray that you would know Jesus, that you would know God the Father, so that way you can bring the character of God into your home, and you can rule and lead and love and sacrifice for your wife and for your children in a way that it represents Christ, in a way that it honors the true Father. That's the hope. But unless that relationship is established, nothing can happen. And he's paid for that relationship. He's paid that price for you to be free in him from your sins, to have access to him, to execute all these things. Yes. Oh, well, bless you. Thank you for listening to the Kavod Family Podcast. Please like, share, and leave us a review. If you've enjoyed this content, or if you're familiar with some of our programs and partners in the Kavod Family Network, please consider becoming a donor at Kavod Family slash donation. God is in the process of restoring all things to himself. That begins with a person. That person is part of a family, and that family belongs to a community.
Kavod Family is a 501c3 nonprofit ministry.